Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you. Wherever you may be, this is your host, Bruce Ash, along with... Ed Wilkinson. And and David Layton's uh, hanging out with us today, coming to you live from the luxurious KVOI broadcast complex in Tucson, Arizona, welcoming you to a special October monsoon edition of Inside Track. Producer Tom also joins us running the board and taking your calls. If you have a comment or question during today's show, you can reach us at the Wilkinson Wealth Management Live Line at 520-790-2040. Eb and I want to remind you to please support our great sponsors, Tucson Iron and Metal Retail. Call Jamie or Craig at 520-209-1576. Corazon Cabinets, call them Monday at 520-488-2266. And don't forget Eric Rudin at Essential Pest Control. You can reach his great team at 520-886-3029. Also supporting Inside Track is the aforementioned Eb Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. You should see his new logo. I think you'd all appreciate it for gun owners out there. Call Eb at 520-777-1911. Okay, we have another action-packed show here today. We're going to dispense with our usual rundown at the very beginning and go to a chat which we pre-recorded with... um, Uh, Amphi School Board candidate Jeff Uch a couple days ago, and uh, we're having a little bit of a uh, 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 technical problem here. We're going to go ahead and do this a little differently, Uh, so here we go. Our guest for the next few minutes is a fellow whose name you'll probably uh, recall uh, and see around town quite a bit. His name is Jeff Uch, and Jeff is a candidate for the Amphi School Board along with Mona Gibson on the show last week. Um, it's not every day that you get to have a rocket scientist uh, be a member of the school board, but that's what Jeff is. But he's not just an aerospace engineer. This is a guy who is a teacher as well at a very, very high level. He's a U of A grad. All of his kids have uh, gone to school in the Amphi School District. And this is a guy who uh, puts his money where his mouth is. Now he's running for office wants to be a member of the Amphi School Board. Jeff, Butch, welcome to Inside Track. Bruce, uh, grateful for you having me, sir. Yeah. You know, we certainly know a lot about you. Uh, a little bit of common history is, uh, while I didn't compete at the same level quite that you did, uh, we both swam at the University of Arizona, uh, me about uh, 15 or so years before you. Uh, I think you probably, did you swim for Dick Jokums or was Frank Bush there? I did. First Dick Jokums and then Frank Bush after. Yeah. Frank Bush is one of my heroes. Uh, Our kids, our kids, yeah, our kids played baseball together. And and, uh, uh, I think in his first year as coach, he had a a alumni get together at the uh, new uh, Arizona pool. New, it's freaking 50 years old almost. Uh, But we had an all comers uh, sort of event. And uh, I was a sprinter, and uh, I, I was very proud of myself. I could still swim a 50 freestyle in about 25 and a half <laughs> seconds. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk that about it. Let's talk about education because this is really, I think, a passion of yours. Not just because you're a teacher yourself, but in view of everything that's happened over the past couple of years with COVID and 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 school boards not listening to parents. You stand for students first, parents heard, and teachers elevated. So let's first talk about parents heard. Uh, what does that mean to you, and, and what are the changes that you would make if you and Mona are elected to the Amphi School Board? Absolutely. Well, one of the changes I want to make is to have, depending on what the parents want, either a monthly or a quarterly meeting that I invite parents to come in just to talk and have a discussion. Uh, and by, you know, when attending some of these school board meetings, I just felt the frustration of a lot of the parents uh, because there was no discussion of a lot of the concerns that came up. And that isn't really a, an attack on the current school board members. It, it may be just the way they run things or the perspective of the parents, but I want to make sure that the parents have a direct line to someone on the school board that they can feel like they're being listened to and that they will be listened to. It doesn't mean everything that everybody says is going to be implemented. We have to have discussions on these things. I think that's going to be a really good way to make sure that they feel included because I do believe parents should be a part of 
of their children's education and have a say-so. It's just not to be crammed down their throats. And that's the thing that's probably been lacking with the protocols that have to be followed in a, in a discipline sort of a board meeting. You're giving parents a chance outside of that board meeting to meet with you, Mona as well, perhaps, on occasions. Absolutely. And, and, and actually be able to interact and not just listen, right? Absolutely, yes. And there are protocols, there are things that they can and can't do with the school board meetings, and I understand that. But still the perspective of parents is, hey, is anybody listening to me? Do I even matter? What's going on at the school? So I think to provide a forum for that, Bruce, is really important and critical at this stage. Because I'm a big proponent of public schools. I'm a product of public schools back in Virginia. As you mentioned, all my kids went to Amphi uh, schools. One is still in there. So we, we need to make them feel part of the community, which they are, them being the parents. Yeah, and you're definitely an invested dad, an invested family in the Amphi school district. You're, you're not just some Johnny-come-lately uh, who has no contact, right? Absolutely. Education is key. We need to make sure that our, our children are educated well. It changes perspective. It gives hope. It opens up opportunities. And for that to happen, we do need a, a partnership uh, with all the people involved, the parents, the students, and the teachers, and the administrators. So the second leg of the three-legged stool is students first. Talk about that because students in the last couple of years have really been left behind and uh, with COVID and mask mandates and school closures and so on. Uh, talk about how you want to make students first and, and educate the next generation of Tucsonans? Well, I think if we all govern our lives by principles, priorities, you know, values, uh, when, the, when the hard times come and it's hard to make decisions, you know, those decisions are more easily takeable. And if we just have that first priority or principle, children need to be considered first. And although we want to, there's other things to look at what is the biggest thing that we've got to do? And that is really look out for our children. So whether that be smaller class sizes or deciding what curriculum they're going to be involved in or what kind of teachers we're hiring, how much we're trying to retain the teachers, all those decisions, the first thing we discuss is how this is going to affect our children, what is best for them. And, um, you know, I think that's what everybody's intent is, but is that always followed through? I'm not so sure. You know, Jeff, it, it seems today, uh, you know, you and I are, are obviously not students anymore. It's been a long time for us. Um, things, were, things were difficult as kids growing up for us in terms of all the things going on in the world. But it sure seems sometimes that the world uh, and, and the world for students is kind of spinning out of control, don't you think? And, and isn't the classroom a place where um, they're there to learn? And, and not to necessarily be indoctrinated? Absolutely. Look, it is. This is, you know, when we were kids, we thought we had it tough, and, you know, we thought there was a lot of things coming at us, but it's nowhere near to what today, you know, what's going on today with all the distractions. Yeah. And so while we're at school, while our kids are at school, our, our students are at school, really they should be able to focus on the one thing that they're there to do. And of course, you know, that's never going to be possible because of the social aspects and the fun and all that, which is all the good things, you know, but learning is why they're there and to really have a, a holistic approach about the educational process. But they don't need to be combating all the other, uh, what you would consider indoctrination. They don't need to be fending off that. You know, there's a role of the family. There's things that should be taught at school. And there's things that should be taught at home. Yeah. Teachers have um, have also had a tough time the last few years. Um, and you talk about elevating teachers. Uh, not everybody who is part of this parents movement running our guests for the next few minutes week. All of his fifth grade, Mr. Dugan in my civics civics class in the tenth grade. I mean, I remember their names. And uh, you know, back then they had nicknames for the kids. You couldn't get away with that today. But these were endearing nicknames, you know, that they, they really, you know, looked at you as an individual and wanted you to, you to achieve your potential. These are the kind of relationships, and I know that's happening in our school districts, but we want to foster it, we want to recognize it, we want to give these teachers the tools.
Yeah. Um, so how important is it for you? you know, most of the votes, it seems, on the FI board seem to be a 5-0 vote. Um, and, and the school board gets their kind of their talking points or their agenda stuff from, from the superintendent. How important is it for you to have a second when you make a motion uh, if you're elected to the FI school district board? Well, well, I think I think we do need to show, and this is one of the things I really like what Mona's talking about, transparency. That, you know, the the teachers and the you know, the parents and all those associated with the school board understand that we're just not rubber stamping things, that, you know, we can't have discussion and debate, you know, in front of people that we don't want to unnecessarily do it when we don't have to just for show. But I think it's really important that people understand that there's just, you know, there's safety in council. I really believe that, that we can come to better decisions when we talk. And I do think there are times when a board needs to show unity. So there's not that, you know, you maybe argue in private and show unity, you know, in public. But there's also times where we have to really get out and, and show people that we've had discussions or that we are currently having one in front of everybody. And so to be able to do that and uh, and make sure that those hard discussions are had, and I think it's also a good example uh, for the teachers to see how uh, conflicts are resolved, for the students to see how the process works, and for the parents to, to feel that they've been listened to because if some of their concerns come up, while we're actually talking in the school board meeting, I think that that's not a bad thing. Jeff Butch, um, that's uh, jeff4ampi.com. That's a four with a, the number four, jeff4ampi.com. Uh, maybe uh, you can help him with a few bucks. He can use uh, some dollars to get more signs up. You got some great looking signs out there, Jeff. Uh, we see them around town. That's a good thing. Um, students first, parents heard, teachers elevated. Jeff Butch, thanks very much for joining us on Inside Track, uh, and best of luck. We'll have you and Mona on again soon. Appreciate your time, Bruce. That's Jeff Butch, Mr. Producer. Let's go to our first break. You're listening to Inside Track on KVOI, Trusted News and Talk. We'll be right back with Arizona State Senator Vince Leach. Jamie Kipper and her father, Gary Kipper, from Tucson Iron and Metal. What are they going to see when they come through the gates? So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing. And then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through. But that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house. We sell literally anything made of metal. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Joining us for the next several minutes is Arizona State Senator Vince Leach. Thanks for joining us, Vince. How are you today? Hello, Vince. Andy's gone. Well, uh, 
I'll, I'll just keep talking and and maybe uh, uh, Vince will call us right back. I had originally planned to try and pack 12 pounds of dog poop into an eight-pound uh, dog poop bag talking about how to improve our state legislative process and the propositions on the November ballot, but the propositions, I think, are more emergent a topic. So everyone, get your pen and paper out, and let's go through them uh, with recommendations from Bruce and Vince. Uh, but before uh, I get started, while we're waiting for, for Vince to uh, come back to us. Uh, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, that's great. Oh, Vince. good. Uh, I was just saying I tried to pack 12 pounds of dog poop into an 8-pound uh, poop bag uh, uh, to do both the legislative fixes and the propositions, but I think we're going to focus predominantly on on the propositions today. And um, Vince, before I get started, I, 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 I wanted to take a moment to thank you you, uh, for myself, for Eb, and I'd say for most of our Inside Track listeners, for your service, not just to the constituents in your district, but for the state as a whole. Uh, you've been um, a great leader uh, and on the leading edge of so many of the things uh, which make us a, as prosperous a state as we are today, and um, I will miss you. I think uh, um, your, your counsel in the state has been invaluable and uh please know that you have many many friends like me and ab here who are grateful for all the good work that you've helped to create well thank you that's very very kind i i just just a note on that uh this week i wasn't able to make it i was doing some work in dc but uh uh, we had our uh, financial advisory committee met and the road that we've set over the last eight years, uh, the report on financial standing of the state is uh, we're now forecasted to have a $2.3 billion, billion uh, dollar uh, one-time money at the end of the year and about $200 million of, of ongoing. And I'm not worried about the ongoing. That's pretty good because the ongoing gets sucked up in, in programs if you sure. have too much. So uh, that, that still looks very, very good no matter – uh, what President Biden does to try to bring down the economy and have six dollar gas. I think that's gonna that's gonna give us a little bit of an advantage over some of our friends in other states. So, uh, are you ready to talk about uh, propositions, Vince? All right, let's go. Prop I've got one. this big, thick book here, Bruce. It's incredible. Yeah, in with like tissue paper uh, pages. Prop one twenty eight, uh, which would strengthen the referendum and initiative process. Uh, Vince, where are you at on on one twenty eight? I'm a yes on I'm a yes on that. Um, that's a that, that's a that's a strong one. Uh, that happens to be one that I actually wrote. Uh, that is my. Uh, my contribution to the ballot propositions. Uh, and if, if there's something found uh, unconstitutional within the, a voter initiative program that doesn't go through the same uh, magnifying glass as bills do, uh, that we can go, we, the legislature, can go back in and make adjustments accordingly. It's, uh, you know, um, you've been in this game long enough, you know how how hard it is, if not impossible, to change uh, voter yes. initiatives once they're in statute. You need 75%, three-quarters vote, to change, and you have to further the, the proposition. Um, so if you have an unconstitutional piece in there that needs cleanup, uh, it's virtually impossible to do this. We'll take care of that. Necessary stuff. I vote with Vince on that one. Prop 129, which would limit and simplify the number of items covered in propositions. I say vote yes. How about you, Vince? Yes, I'm a yes. Uh, the legislature is already under that edict. Uh, we can't we can't put uh, racehorses and uh, um, let's say racehorses and paper clips and staples in the same same bill. You have to stay on one subject. Uh, that even makes it easier on the on the propositions when you're uh, looking at the propositions. And uh, I don't know who packed in on the book, and you see all the different things that are covered in propositions. It makes it the the proposition process for voters even more difficult if you have several uh, issues that are involved in that. Good move. I'm a yes. Yeah, and you get and, and voters get trapped because they might like seven out of the eight things in it. And the one bad thing is a really, really bad thing. So uh, I'm with you well, on 129. And, 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 along, and along that point, Bruce, what, what happens is is the one good point that might, the voters might like, that goes in the title. 
and yeah. all the garbage yeah, is course. not in the title. <laughs> Prop 130, which would create a, prop, a property tax relief for widows, widowers, uh, veterans with disabilities uh, for the period after World War I. Uh, uh, there are 500,000 veterans here in Arizona, as well as 110,000 disabled uh, vets. Uh, there are no objections in the ballot guide, Vince. Uh, what's your take here? I'm yeah, for it, so, but I understand reasons why some may not support. Yeah, so our uh, our assessor here in uh, uh, in Pinal, uh, Doug Wolf, you may know him, yeah. has been working on this for, uh, I think this is the fourth year, and we finally got it uh, uh, to the ballot. I am for that. Uh, you named one of the reasons I'm for. We want veterans here. Uh, as you know, uh, we, we passed a bill that, that uh, eliminated the income tax for them. The veterans that we can, can have moved to the state of Arizona because of low taxes. And if we're helping them with their property tax, uh, we should do that. Uh, they are good citizens, and we need them for the workforce. Uh, and I should add, uh, people should not be confused on this. If, you're, if your disability is 10%, you only get a 10% reduction in your property tax, Interesting. 100% disabled. So it's not, if you're five, 10% disabled, it's not wiping out property tax. I'm a solid yes on this bill. Yeah, so Vince, I'm a veteran. I'm also a widower. So what does that do for the widowers and widows? So this is a combination. Uh, we had it all in in uh, uh, 2013. Uh, that was taken out. There were some constitutional problems with it, and it puts it back in. That's why Doug Wolf has been so adamant over the last uh, several years. And uh, as I can, you can probably tell in my voice, he was on me every year to get this passed. This year, we finally got it passed. And just to be clear, the widowers or widows talking about here, these are widows or widowers of a veteran, correct or not? Correct. That is correct. Yeah. Well, I'm a widower of a veteran. Oh, I didn't know your yeah, wife. Yeah, oh, Sue, I didn't know that. It's something Sue, new. Sue was Navy. Oh. I had to, she outranked me. I had to salute her. So you got a, you married a swabby and you're just some aviator grunt. Okay. Yeah. Now, but, but here it says widowers and widowers if they were Arizona residents as of 1969. So I got here as quick as I could, but it was 88. So does that mean let I me, don't... Let me, let's take that offline and let me get you an exact answer. I don't want to shoot from the hip because uh, there's a lot of people listening to this, and I'd rather be correct than just give an answer uh, that, that may be incorrect. No, I get that. Uh, Bruce, has got my, Bruce has got my contact information, yeah. so uh, please forward that on to me, and I will uh, make sure our tax people... Take a look at it, and we'll get you an answer. All right, we've got to hustle up here a little bit. Prop 131, yeah. this is the lieutenant governor proposition. I'm a firm no. Why change something that isn't broken? And also no uh, negative uh, uh, comments, uh, you know, needed uh, in terms of, uh, you know, political election. Uh, Vince, what's your take? I, I, I disagree with you. I, I've been for this bill uh, ever since it's been put up. I think this is five or six years that it's been up. Uh, when the voters vote in, whoever they vote in, if they vote a Democrat in or when they were, vote a Republican in, uh, they should know that there would be continuity of that program. Certainly this year, for example, uh, and I'm not saying who's going to win or lose, but, but let's say Kerry Lake wins for whatever reason, uh, and Doug Ducey has been the first one that stayed in office uh, for uh, all eight years in a long time. Yep. Uh, should Kerry Lake leave for whatever reason, uh, go to the administration, uh, have a sickness or an illness that allows her not to perform, uh, and should Mr. Fincham lose, and Mark and I have had this discussion, you would have Adrian Fontras as the governor. That's not a pretty scene, um, and I would argue that that would not end well for those voters that believed in, 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 in this case, um, uh, the candidate for Governor Gary, uh, Kerry Lake. All right. Well, you know what? You, you, you've you've given me some food for thought. I'm going to I'm going to go back and think about that some more. I vote on Election Day, so I don't have to make that decision today. Prop 132, 60 percent supermajority to uh, on propositions to pass any taxing uh, propositions. Where are you at? Um, I mean, yes, we have to have two-thirds majority to raise taxes. That was a voter initiative, and and I would argue that the, the citizens should have, uh, when they bring forward an initiative, should have the same uh, the same uh, objective, and I think 60 percent 
I was hoping for closer to 70 percent, but uh, uh, the numbers weren't there. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a solid yes on this. I'm a hell yes. Only people for this are the uh, tax and spend lefties and teachers unions. Prop 209, uh, Vince, just a, a, a yes or no. We have Amber Russo on for the second half of the show. She's going to tell us what, what's going yeah, on. I'm, with a, I'm, a, I'm a strong no. I'm yeah, a strong me too. no on this. Everybody wants to forgive that. Right, yeah. Prop 210, this lets, uh, excuse me, this is... Uh, 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 this is the lefties not way of allowing everyone to vote, whether qualified or not. Oh, my God. Yeah, two, 210 is off the ballot. Didn't have the signatures. Oh, that's right. That's right, Vince. I forgot all about that. Okay. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> prop 211, another lefty unconstitutional so-called let's end dark money prop, uh, which limits free speech. This was kept off the ballot um, uh, also at one time. Would you care to comment? Yes. I, I, am, a, I am a solid no. The thing that's buried in here, uh, gentlemen, is the we don't have and should not have a right to know in the Arizona Constitution. Terry Goddard, who's been running this, uh, former attorney general, puts a right to know in the Constitution. Uh, and that is scary uh, up and down the road for several reasons. And that's probably a, a segment all by itself. I think you're right about that. Prop 308, an attempt to overturn Prop 300, which earlier passed by 73% of, er- of uh, Arizona voters, uh, which says no to financial assistance to illegals in Arizona. Vince, do you support? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a strong no on this, on this proposition. Have been uh, for a long, long time. Any proposition favored by Rahina Romero informs me to vote no. Uh, so uh, that's just one more way of saying I am uh, definitely against that. Prop 309, the voter ID proposition. That's a yes. And that and that I mean, just, he, he, I mean, this just makes sense for all for all the reasons imaginable, doesn't it, Vince? It, it does. And I mean, why would does. anybody be against it, it, this? Well, because uh, uh, because they want to work off of fake, uh, uh, you know, uh, utility bills or whatever. No, you can go and 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 even in this bill, uh, in this proposition, it says if you don't have an identification card, not a driver's license, we will make sure that you get one. Right. Uh, and so there is no reason why you can't get a driver's license, or if you're not uh, uh, able to drive, or uh, you're a resident, don't want to drive, you can't You can't drive for whatever, you can get an identification card from the state that says who you are. And I I've mean, got to tell you, anybody who is against this, that's completely racist on my part. I mean, why would their you, part. you... Well, if <laughs> no, yeah, if they're against this, that's racist. That's my view. Because why would you say that these minorities do not have the intelligence or the ability to do something as simple as to get a driver's license or an ID card? I mean, you're just trying to keep them down on the farm. When you check into a hotel, when you rent a car, uh, when you get onto the airplane, you when have you to show ID. When you go to the state ID. capital. And, yeah, and in public buildings oftentimes, you have to show when you identification. Make, when, you make copies at, when you make copies at Pima Community College, I've been there, they ask for an ID. Really? When you go to the hospital yeah. to get your fingers yeah. sewed up because you were cutting shallots on 4th of July. Everything. Yes. <laughs> Good yes, point. Yes, yes, yes. Vince, uh, uh, I want to talk about 310 before we have to go. Yeah, go, go. So 310 is a tax increase. I abhor tax increases, but I want people to look at the bigger picture on this particular one. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to vote yes on this because I know that the, the, the rural fire departments, we have miles and miles of roads in the state of Arizona that are covered by no fire departments. I have a, a two-truck operation in Aver Valley. If they send a truck out locally and somebody gets hurt normally and they go out to uh, Picacho Peak all the time where we have a lot of accidents, um, Brian out there, the chief, is not going to send a truck out. Um, And and that's the issue. The second issue is with increased uh, awareness of cancer, cancer cancer-causing smoke that these guys and gals run into, uh, they have to do more work in that particular area as far as protection equipment and testing we do unfortunately we do very little testing uh with our with our various fire departments this is only for rural fire districts it's not for tucson fire it's not for phoenix fire 
It's only for the, in our case, in my district, it's for Northwest Fire, it's for for Golden Ranch. I will tell you also that 68% of this tax will come from the great giant in the north, Maricopa County. And I'll let the listeners decide how they feel about that. I know that uh, everywhere I go, they're not too thrilled with the uh, with the state of Maricopa. Vince Leach, thanks very much for joining us. You've uh, you've maybe uh, got a couple people thinking, including me, and and maybe Eb, who knows uh, about some things. And uh, we will talk again probably sometime in November about uh, the ways that uh, we might be able to fix our legislative uh, predicament uh, at the Capitol. Thanks very much. That will be an interesting discussion. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. You bet. Thanks, All right. Let's go ahead and take our final break uh, for the hour. We have some messages from our show sponsors. You're listening to Inside Track on KVOI, Trusted News and Talk. We'll be right back with Amber Russo to discuss Prop Prop 209 in greater depth. I promise. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the the cities and counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again. Look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our Constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. The show today, as you can tell, is mostly focused on the propositions uh, that are coming up in the midterm elections. Joining us next is Amber Russo, who is fighting to defeat a very dangerous proposition, Prop 209. Uh, We kind of skipped over that, although you know where uh, Vince and Eb and I stand on it. Um, And this uh, proposition would essentially force Arizonans to pay extra on their debt to relieve others of their debt that they failed to pay. Amber Russo, welcome to Inside Track. Hi, thank you for having me. I represent Protect Our Arizona. We are the PAC that's been fighting this uh, proposition back when it was just a ballot initiative uh, earlier this year. Seems like debt relief is a big deal for the left this year. Uh, First, the president's unprecedented executive order relieving uh, at least $400 billion in student debt, and now a dangerous proposition in our own state that would provide debt relief to anyone in Arizona making $51,000 or less uh, having to pay their debts. How bad would this be for all the rest of us who actually do pay our bills? Uh, We believe that the consequences of Prop 209 passing would be that lending practices have to uh, significantly change, and those of us that do pay our bills will have higher interest rates and higher down payments. So does does this make it so that the taxpayers pay this debt, or does this make it so that the lenders... It's indirect. Yeah. Or do the lenders pay the debt? Right. It's an indirect impact on the consumers, but it basically means that the lenders and creditors will have no collection 
uh, remedies against, you know, half of the population. Yeah, they're judgment-proof. Which means we end up paying that extra because the lenders aren't going to eat it. Exactly. Exactly. So your ads... They'll adjust their lending practices and pass it along to the rest of us. Yeah. Your ads talk about the influence of California labor unions had on getting this proposition on the ballot. Why would any clear-thinking adult voter in Arizona want to vote for anything from the failed state of California or worse yet from a California labor union. Talk about that, Amber. So this California union, they put over seven and a half million dollars into the support of getting this on the ballot. And they lied to, you know, voters in Arizona by propping this up as a medical debt initiative. I think that, you know, it talks a lot it it says a lot about how California unions want to mobilize membership or you know get their political messages you know into arizona so but no i wouldn't you know why would you want california politics here it's not doing very well for them over there so so but what's in it what's in it for the california labor unions is this just a way to uh to pat the back of their of their uh, union members and give them a little something indirectly or Attract new so. members? And I th- yeah, I think it's about attracting new members. I mean, you know, they haven't... In fact, if you talk to Healthcare Rising, who's the PAC that supports Prop 209, you know, they don't want you to bring up the fact that California is behind it, right? But I do think uh-huh. there's a, a matter of... I do think it's a matter of, look, we'll get the healthcare workers to now join our union and unionize Arizona members because we did this for them. We made it so they wouldn't have to pay you know, debt. Hmm. Prop but they don't come out and say it, right? I mean, NCLC is behind it, too, which is not a surprise. What is um, NCLC? The National Consumer, uh, what is it? It's uh, Labor Union? America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they, they work mostly with um, the impoverished mm-hmm. community, impoverished community, but they, they kind of prop up their studies by talking about, you know, low earners right. and, and, and making, you know, how all of us now have the consequence of, you know, paying for them, paying right. for their health care, paying for their debts. Prop 209 makes anyone who makes up to 51000 judgment-proof, doesn't it? And that's a big deal because this law would impact about 50% of all workers in Arizona. Um, that just seems to be unsustainable. If you're a lender, if you're if you're selling cars and taking back paper, uh, you know, if you're if you're working with people, if you're a landlord and and somebody owes you money uh, on on past due rent, I mean, this just seems like an impossible situation to overcome. It just goes from bad to worse. Well, think about you know Walmart and Target having to raise their prices because of theft. And, you know, it's sort of the same thing, right? If if I'm if I'm an auto lender, I'm going to have to raise my prices to account for the fact that half the people don't have to pay me back. Hmm. And so judgment proof is really a term of art for creditors when they talk about, you know, how do you recoup money from folks that take out loans or take out credit cards and don't pay them back? Well, they're allowed they get judgments and they execute on those. Um, if you prohibit that on half the population, now the, the rest of us make up for that. So, Amber, let me ask you a question. Uh, something occurred to me on that. If I'm a landlord and I have four properties that I'm leasing out, renting out, and these people default on it, it basically makes it so I can't collect on them. Is that correct? Yeah. And well, furthermore, what if they damage your property? What if, you know, when they leave and they, they Which I've seen. pull out all the carpet and paint the walls. Or taken know, the walls down. Right. Your agreements with those folks um, say that you can file a lawsuit in court and, and get a judgment against them. If they're low earners or if they're, you know, making $51,000 a year, which I would actually contend to is not, that's not a low, low earner. Yeah, that's not a low earner. Right. Um, but if they're in that threshold, uh, underneath that threshold, you cannot garnish their wages. I can't collect uh, from them at all. Account. I can't recoup no. any of my losses no. at all. And so, nope. 
as a landlord, you rent on your other guys. Yeah, as a landlord, that's going to make me look at their income and say, "I'm sorry, you're making fifty-one thousand dollars or less. Uh, you don't qualify for the house." Right, and and how about this? Even for folks that make over that amount. Uh, and we can recoup some of our money, it's going to be at a much slower pace than it's ever been before. Now you can garnish between 15 to 25% of someone's wages. Um, so not only you know, are you now taking away anyone under that $51,000 threshold, but if they make above that, you can only garnish between 5 and 10%. It will take you a very long time to recover the money that oh, someone God. owes you. Yeah, 10 years best case. So, yep. so yep. is it is it fair to say that working families don't really gain from 209 because access to debt and the cost to get a loan probably increases? Yes. I think that credit is an important part of the financial ecosystem, and I think that this will hurt the same group of folks that it purports to protect because their, you know, their interest rates will be higher, their access to credit will be lower. Um even the Federal Reserve reports that when you restrict collection activities, it leads to a decrease in access to credit, deterioration of financial health, and the effects are actually primarily among the borrowers with the lowest credit scores. All right, so I'm going to ask a question, and, and you know, I usually like to ask a question that I might know the answer to. I really don't. Well, I really don't know the answer to this. So let's say that I am somebody who made forty nine thousand dollars. And I, I've racked up, let's say, $10,000 in debt uh, with a particular company. And now that debt is extinguished uh, under Prop 209. So how would the next, uh, the next re uh, rental place or the next car uh, uh, sales place or the whatever, how would they know? Will that forgiveness of debt show up on a credit report? So they'll just know by the fact that they live in Arizona mm. and, you know, that they're uncollectible, so to speak. So if, I, if, you know, if I'm filling out a rental application and those are my wages, all of a sudden people are going to figure out pretty quickly that my risk as a, as a borrower or as a, a tenant is much higher than it was right. pre-Prop 209. Right. I have a friend of mine that owns a number of low-income rental places, he gets around that by having his properties on month-to-month. -month. Now, that's good and that's bad. It means that these people move in, they know that they basically have 60 days, best case, you know, that they have a place to live. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this right. just makes it even worse than that. Right. And, and again, it's going to... I do believe that this hurts this group of people, you know, that they, they tell you, look, we're helping you. We're going to make it so, you know, you never have to go without paying your bills. But, you know, the truth is, is what it does is it's, it's going to increase the cost of money. Yeah, you know, no now question. they're going to find themselves unable to get auto loans or, you know, those quick, those quick emergency situations when you need to go to discount tire and uh, get tires on, on a finance plan because you weren't prepared for an emergency. How are you going to afford that? Amber, I have one last question uh, besides letting our, our listeners know how to, how to help you uh, stop 209. Is, is this bill or is this proposition, if it's passed, is this effectively a credit, excuse me, a debtor's tool of replacing bankruptcy as an option? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And bankruptcy protection exists, you know, they market this as a medical debt. You know, people shouldn't have to be in, in financial straits because of medical debt is sort of how this is marketed. You know, but bankruptcy prop, uh, protection exists for when you do find yourself uh, over your head. And, and it is a solution for people. And now this will replace that while not making creditors whole even a bit, mm. even a bit. Um, I didn't intentionally mean to lie, but I, I did lie. That wasn't the last question I have for you. <laughs> Isn't Prop 209 misnamed? Didn't the organizers really mislead voters as to what this proposition is about? In, in two ways. One is that they titled it the Predatory Debt Collection Protection Act. There is nothing within the act that 
references predatory debt collection activity. You know, um, that, you know, there's nothing predatory about a creditor trying to recover money that you borrowed. And second, they marketed it and got their signatures by calling it a health care reform, you know, a medical debt initiative. There's only one section of the act that refers specifically to medical debt, and that's the interest cap. Outside of that, this impacts all uh, all debt collection, all recouping of, of money, even our state tax money, um, which will have an impact on our you know, just even our infrastructure as a, as a state, the, you know, the taxes that go to pay for recovering the, you know, repaving roads, we can get less, we're going to get less money from taxpayers because they're not going to have to pay. So now even taxes can be extinguished for people under $51,000 that are past due? It will exist. The tax, the, the debt that you owe will still exist, but it won't be collectible mm. because there won't be a garnishment remedy to get that money back. Mm. Amber, how do our listeners find out more about how to stop 209 and what can they do to help you? They can email info at protectouraz.com. Visit our website at www.protectouraz.com. And you'll see more information about the proposition. I certainly appreciate uh, your show and helping us mobilize the message so that voters vote no on Prop 209. Uh, in November. Amber Russo, no on 209. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Keep the pressure up. The organizers and supporters of 209 have a pile of -of out-of-state money in back of them. That's usually the the reason that you shouldn't vote for it. Vote no on 209. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You bet. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, before we close out the show today, I wanted to comment briefly on the debate earlier this week between Blake Masters and Mark Kelly. First, Masters was the easy winner in this debate based upon the punches he scored on Kelly. It's no wonder Mark Kelly avoided a debate. All through the campaign, Masters mopped the floor with him. Like you, I was surprised by the Tall tail whoppers, which Senate placeholder Kelly told during the debate, which brilliantly illustrate what our good friend Donald Smith said on this show just a few weeks ago, that Mark Kelly has never used his gravitas being a badass naval aviator or astronaut for us here in Arizona while he's been in the Senate. Kelly has been the deciding vote, as Blake Masters said, voting for Every penny spent during the drunken Democrats' wild $6 trillion spending spree over the last couple of years. He has not been the slightest bit an advocate for ending Arizona's border and fentanyl crisis. Making a phone call to a sheriff or a mayor does not make you an advocate for ending the border crisis. And the fentanyl crisis is only getting worse. Mark Kelly has not advocated for energy independence and his silence on energy has cost all americans not just higher prices at the pump but inflation the likes we haven't seen since jimmy carter kelly's tv and radio ads suggest that he's the likable guy who lives down the street from us well the only street that mark kelly lives on is easy street he lives off of his many ill-gotten chinese investments and also a city of tucson land lease on a vacant lot over on the west side which his friend rahina romero gladly sends a check to him for a hundred thousand dollars a year God. Perhaps his parents had to live on a budget while he was a kid, but today Mark Kelly definitely does not share the pain many of us today face with inflation, and he most assuredly does not give a rip about your pain. He has not been a warrior fighting for a strong national defense or spoken out about our nation's weak worldwide position, which is unusual for a guy who was a naval aviator. He has not spoken out for Arizona water rights, and as Mr. Masters said, Mark Kelly is the third senator from the state of California. And Mark Kelly unashamedly supports abortion right up to childbirth and demonizes Blake Masters and the U.S. Supreme Court for upholding the Constitution and defending the lives of the unborn. By the way, most of those babies 
the black and the brown children he also claims to care so much about. It is Mark Kelly who is the abortion radical, not Blake Masters and not Arizonans who believe abortion should be disallowed after 15 weeks in most cases. When you vote, vote no on Mark Kelly and support Blake Masters, who will be an advocate for us, all of us, in the U.S. Senate. Send Mark Kelly home to Houston for good and for our own good, because we deserve better. I hope you'll join us next week. We already have a great show planned for you about our woke military and its implications for national security and peace around the world. Uh, Navy Retired Navy Captain uh, Bob Wells uh, joins us, and uh, he uh, and I have been planning this uh, show for quite some time. I hope you will tune into it. It's going to be a good one, uh, and we'll devote the entire show to it. Um, I hope that you have enjoyed uh, getting uh, some ideas from Vince Leach and Eb and myself about the propositions. Uh, and I hope if you if you were thinking, uh, you know, in, in other ways, uh, and, and I also uh, learned some things here from Vince, I hope that you will have an opportunity uh, to look at the what's on the ballot book put out uh, by the Secretary of State's office. It is a long thing, but um, I judge my support or my lack of support for different propositions based upon who is for it or against it. And it's pretty easy to see the influence of the left in many of the resolutions that we're looking at. By the way, our show is podcasted both on the KVOI website and on Apple Podcasts. All of our Inside Track episodes are available at Apple Podcasts. So, until next week, for Inside Track, this is Bruce Ash and my co-host... Eb Wilkinson. Welcoming you, or wishing you all a very pleasant good afternoon. We'll see you again in 167 hours. Viva Los Gatos and Viva Los Doyers. Have a good day. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So... Uh, We have a relationship there, and then we can buy material, what they're making, bringing it back. And so we save on freight, and we have relationships for years with them. So I think that's really our niche market. We'll sell whatever you need. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.